So I think this week, got to start with two apologies. I think one personally for me, then I think we both owe an apology. The first one is, um, if I don't make any sense, which it might be a weekly thing, but I've just come back from the dentist um, and I'm a wimp. So they smothered me in that gel. You know that numbing gel? Yeah. You can't feel anything. Yeah. I love that. It's like, a, I feel like it's a behind the counter thing. They don't offer it to you. You've got to know about it. So get it. <laughs> Demand it. <laughs> and it's the first thing I said was, you know that gel? So she smothered me in the gel. And I, I don't have full feeling of tongue, lips, gums. So I'm talking. You can't but tell. It feels, I'm but amazed it, it that feel... you love the gel so much. Does this make you go back to the dentist like every week? And just no, demand, I, give me the I, gel. <laughs> I love the gel because I hate the dentist. I have a, a <laughs> rational slash rational fear of the dentist. I don't know how anybody can enjoy or look forward or want to go. I mean, I know why we go and I go, but I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And and it just, it might be a placebo, but it kind of numbs. When someone's coming towards you with a drill, right? I don't yeah. want to feel that. So if she can give me something, she's probably laughing as she puts it on thinking, doesn't do anything. But um, so it feels like when I'm talking, my tongue and lips are doing different things so <laughs> and do you know why we owe a joint apology no and to and to who no uh, no oh is this from last week <laughs> yes from last week yeah yeah it was a, it was a valid point made by a number of <laughs> of listeners that we omitted uh Rafael Nadal from our uh top players of the well best players of the year although to be fair we were only trying to pick one and apparently for both of us, he wasn't in the running, which is a very valid point. But it did get me thinking as to why did both of us, not that we ignored it, but why didn't we have him properly in the running for our number I one? Have... Especially you named seven people. <laughs> yes. So I really do owe the apology. No, I have a reason for this. I was actually uh, corresponding with someone on Twitter who said, you know, I got, oh my God, he wasn't there and he did this. I think it's because it's it's what I've come to expect He's from boring. Nadal. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's but it's what I've come. That's that's his kind of the the reason Djokovic was there because people would say, well, that's the same with Djokovic. Djokovic had all the other hurdles and blockages, some of his own making to get through and to get past and to still finish where he did. But for me, Rafa Nadal, it's do you know what I mean? That's sort of that's what I expect of of Rafa Nadal. I think that's why it didn't stand out, despite it was phenomenal. Is that any way of justifying not mentioning him? Uh possibly I think maybe that it was the beginning of the year really obviously with the Australian Open and the French I mean you forget about the Australian Open obviously it was a whole year ago now that yeah. it was so ridiculous I mean everybody was talking about Djokovic and not just because of his debacle but because it was Djokovic it was the time to get 21 out there all three of them on 20 and it was right Djokovic is going to get 21 at Australian Open I'm sure that that would have been on the mind of uh, Craig Tiley and other people at Tennis Australia as well desperate for it to happen there and then it did happen there but it was Rafa and no one saw that coming at all um so that was pretty <laughs> phenomenal and then of course well the French is the French and um, as I say, <laughs> it's boring. No, it's not really. It is. Uh, it was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's because it was so sort of skewed towards the beginning half of the year. I mean, he still continued to play uh, later on in the year, played right up to the very, um, very, very end of the year, surprisingly to a lot of people. But he was sort of limping over the line once again, wasn't he? So maybe we just forgot. I don't know. And, and, it, and, and it, it was no excuse. There's no excuse, really. 
But it wasn't as though when I was pretty much naming every single ATP player in and around um, the top of the rankings that I didn't want to include him. I think the same as you, we genuinely forgot. So it wasn't as though we were thinking he's not good enough to be in the running. <laughs> we, this sounds even worse. We just forgot. Like, I was looking at a list forgot. of the top 10 at the time just to make sure I didn't forget anyone. And That's I somehow <laughs> forgot the world number two, Rafael Nadal. I think I was just so... In, I think me personally, I can't speak on your behalf, but me personally, coming into that conversation, I was so intent on it being Alcaraz and Djokovic. They were my two. And I just yes. not I just not put Nadal in there, which I probably look back on and, and re- reflect that is is incorrect. However, as I say, I think you've got more of an apology because you listed seven of the top ten. <laughs> I, mean, I have. I'm putting I this all no, on you. I have. I have no excuse other than it's sort of what I've come to expect from him. So in terms of he's boring, just say he's player. boring. He is not you boring. You think he's boring. It's just, that is the level <laughs> I expect him to operate at. And the only reason I say Djokovic is in there is because of all those those obstacles. But we can talk about Nadal this week. But it's in very different terms because I think the first time in as long as since records began, he loses his first two matches of the season. Now I'm not saying this is a crisis and this is the end and it's the beginning of the whatever, but it it is surprising. I guess on the flip side of that, as he said, look, um, I'm getting matches under my belt. We've got time for the Australian Open. But one thing I do appreciate from Nadal is he's like, stop the questions about retiring. Just stop it. Yes. Well, that is boring. That is boring. It's boring for him. It's boring for us. Boring for everyone. And I think that really with that omission, we can confirm now because it was in doubt that uh, Nadal will never be a uh, guest on (laughs) tennis. That's just, you know, because we never know. Um, He's not going to be happy about it, is he? Uh, Yeah, so... I don't know. It, look, it's not a crisis. He's won two matches. Everybody does this all the time with Nadal. It was a crisis coming into the Australian Open last year because he wasn't fully fit, even though he won in Melbourne. He won one of them. He went one Melbourne before he won the Australian Open. Um, you know, it's a crisis at the French Open because it was in October and it was cold and wet. And, oh, look, he won it again. And just, you know, it, it it's never a crisis. I remember that year, um, a, few, a few years ago now, where he hadn't reached a semi-final, I think, um, of a clay court event until he got to Rome. And it was just the first time this has ever happened and everybody was freaking out. He was fine. And, it, and it's, in terms <laughs> of have to win everything. That's the thing is yeah. when you've won that much, you've won everything that much and you've dominated on the clay that much, as much as he has, to be to just ridiculous degrees that you get to the point that you don't even need to win to rock up to the French and and win it like that is the level of ridiculousness so when people are saying oh he's lost two matches like yeah sure I mean he might win the Australian Open like I mean Djokovic is there this time so it's going to be a bit harder than it was last year but still and and retirement retirement he's effectively (laughs) in many people's eyes the next cab off the rank to retire do you see what I mean? So that's why those questions are going to come. Sure. And he struggled more physically. In it. So I understand why he's saying, just stop it. I've lost a couple of matches. I am here. I am playing. Just, you know, just, I know everyone wants. Just enjoy it, Everyone people. wants that scoop of maybe catch him off guard one day, which you won't do with Nadal. Ask him the question. He turns around and goes, yes, I have set the date of the 25th of August when I'm going to retire. It's not going to happen. But I know as journalists, 
we have to ask those questions. There might be a day when the guard is down and they say something, and there's the headline. But I, I understand, I understand his frustration. It is not a crisis. Look, how many times did Serena and Venus Williams rock up with no grass court tournaments and win Wimbledon? You know, it, it, as you say. Well, well, that was the thing. It took years and years to learn it with Serena. Every time she turned up to the Australian Open, it was like, okay, you haven't played in three months. She was like, yeah, I'm still going to barely lose any games. Yes. <laughs> That's just, that was just how it was. And when you say hadn't played, she probably hadn't practiced for most of that three months as well. And, uh, you know, because she was just that good. Like, and, and that's it. There's no other reason. There's nothing There's nothing else to it. She was just that good. She was that much better than everybody. And Nadal isn't that much better than everybody because, uh, well, apart from Roland Garros, um, because you have Djokovic, for example. But, um, you know, he is so ridiculously experienced. Yeah. And look, the answer is, I, I, don't, I don't understand what everyone's searching for. The answer is that he will retire when he wants, like when he feels, like, he'll literally wake up one day and he'll be like, no. I don't, I don't want to go to training. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it anymore. And that's it. Um, I don't want to change my serve one more time to try and protect a, an injury or whatever it is. Um, all of the work that you put in, he'll just go, I don't fancy yep. it. I'd rather sit on my yacht. Oh, you know what? That sounds really nice. I could easily wake up one day, every day, if I had a yacht, so I'll go and sit on my yacht. Now, it's not a crisis, but it's a worry for Emma Raducanu, because we're in full swing in the tennis season. Now, we talked about the United Cup that seems to have been a, a great success. People have really enjoyed it. Tennis tournaments taking place elsewhere. I'm not sure Auckland's ever had as much rain as it's currently experiencing whenever I look on social media. Unreal. <laughs> it says, play delayed. It's an indoor yeah, tournament. Play won't be happening, and we're going indoors. And unfortunately for Emma Raducanu, I mean, ugh. Your heart goes out to her. Look, everyone gets injuries, but because she's battled through so much and she really focused on the fitness in the off-season and, and she said, didn't she, one of her goals, I don't know, New Year's resolutions, was to go on court and not worry about her body, not worry about her fitness, then the accident, the slip, the ankle and her place, it has to be in jeopardy now in the main draw for the Australian Open. Yeah, just brutally unlucky, really. Um, difficult with the conditions um and this is something i've talked about many many times on the podcast is that it you know even if you're not happy with the conditions your choices are to play or to pull out there's there's not there's nothing else you you know you can complain all you want but you know they are trying to get through a schedule you know as you were saying day after day i was seeing on social media no play before 10 p.m you know it's bad when we're getting to, <laughs> to this point they know no one's watching no one's there <laughs> it's just please can we get some tennis going they've gone indoors whatever it is and um it's tough because yeah I mean first of all just the injury is uh, just incredibly unfortunate for her and you could see how um devastated she was um I hope that she was devastated because she had decided that 2023 is going to be a fresh she's going to be fit she's going to be finishing matches she's going to be giving it everything she's worked very very hard um i hope it wasn't um you know the the tears and the anguish on her face i hope it wasn't because it is such a serious injury and sometimes you just yeah. know like if you remember like uh, gavrilova or daria saville now uh, after she got married when she did her acl again last year you could just see that she knew she just she was hoping for the best, but it was just, you know, complete devastation because she was like, this is a big, 
problem or like with Zverev at the French last year it was just it, it was just this is this is months and months it was, it was, it was never going to be anything yeah. different so I hope oh well of course hope she's fit for the Australian Open that would be very good news but yeah you know sometimes players can be incredibly upset um, just because they know that the consequences of this hopefully it's just that it's just the one match and she's just annoyed about it um, so we'll we'll see but yeah it, it is and as I say she complained about the conditions afterwards saying it was too slick. I'm not surprised somebody went over uh, and hurt themselves. And unfortunately it was her. But as I say, your other choice is to not play. And if you really do think it's, think it's unsafe, then, then you can just say, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to play. That is incredibly difficult to do though. That is not a, a nice situation. Um, and it, it can lead to a bit of conflict between you and the, uh, the organisers. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Because when you've got organisers... And you've got names, you've got the level of name of an Emma Raducanu. There are appearance fees involved. There are ticket sales, people to come, coming to see a certain person. And if that person turns around and says the conditions aren't right, I'm not going to play. As you say, there can be a backlash, 100% justified in thinking, look, this is these are not the right conditions, I don't want to do it. But as you say, all those other factors involved, some people don't see that or don't appreciate it. It's only when the injury happens, someone's like, oh, right, okay, the courts. But if she had done that and not gone on court... As you say, there would have been a backlash from people. Of course, absolutely. I'm not saying for one second it's an easy option at all. Um, You know, I mean, how many times do we see it, whether it's the grass being slippery or hard court being slippery and players will be complaining about it, but the referee, the organisers will only do something about it when somebody falls over and then they go, see, I've slipped over. Um, Because they're always trying to push it as much as they can. They do want it to be safe, but, you know, the players know better than anyone, I I always think if two players on court are saying it's not safe, then I I just don't see there's any any other option other than than stopping, um, because they're not going to be <laughs> pretending they want to play. They don't want to wait until ten o'clock at night or have to go indoors or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's always a very difficult situation. Um, and often, you know, with um, these tournament organisers, I know we're seeing it more and more now with former players. You know, they haven't played. They haven't been in that situation. They don't know what it feels like, actually, to be charging as fast as you possibly can on a on a slippery court and having to change direction. They don't understand that. Um, you know, the umpires, when they come down and check the courts, often they, they're not wearing tennis shoes. <laughs> they're wearing different shoes. And it's like, well, you know, tennis shoes are specific <laughs> with the, the soles. And uh, it doesn't react well. Anyway, that, that's, that's all I have to say. I'm ra- I'll stop, stop ranting. It's fine. Oh, well, I believe that Emma Raducanu has made her way to Melbourne now. So as you say, fingers crossed. Positive vibes. Yeah, fingers crossed that she's able to, to get through it and, and, to, and to get in that main draw. Now, have you seen Naomi Osaka? Because it seems from a tennis point of view, she's gone missing. She's not missing, missing. But it seems from a tennis point of view, she's gone missing. I've seen um, plenty to do with her business Evolve. She's just signed on Jabur as another player yep. to her agency. So who has she got? She's got herself, Nick Kyrgios. Is it Kyrgios? I think it's Kyrgios, isn't it? Ons. Anyway, I can't really remember. But um, yeah, no, I, I tend to see sort of business updates. Seen her on a tennis court recently? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Um She's been spotted in a Pilates studio in LA a couple of days ago. And Pilates okay. is very good for you. And she's on the entry list for Australian Open. But, and I know yeah. even 
look, a, a year or so ago, she was going to play this very limited schedule. I mean, it's not surprising. But she just, no one's seen her. No one's necessarily speaking about it. I say she, she's around. It's not missing, missing. But from a tennis point, and we've talked about this many times in the pod, we, we don't know for how many years we're going to be seeing Naomi Osaka on a tennis court. But it just seems surprising that this close to the Australian Open, someone as big as Osaka is, we haven't seen her. Yeah, um, it's quite an extraordinary situation, isn't it? I, I mean, quite honestly, this isn't what I think the situation is. Yeah. But this is a very likely scenario, is that that's sort of it in terms of her her best level of tennis. Because to get to your best level, you know, the amount of time she's had off now over the past two to three years, you include COVID in that as well, because that's an enforced break, but she's chosen some breaks as well. Um, it's a lot to try and get back to your best. I mean, it takes a lot of playing, a lot of competing. Does it at um, that age? Is it easier yeah. at, at that age to, to get back to that level? No, no. I think it's probably harder, to be honest. I think it's easier if you're Federer or Serena. The more experience you have, yeah. the more you know which boxes you need to tick, how you need to be feeling um, to come back. And also, I think you're a little easier on yourself on those first few matches the expectations and, and so forth. But for Osaka, yeah, if she wants, if, we, if we're going to see her back winning slams again, remember she's won the Australian Open twice. If we're going to see her back winning Australian Open, I mean, I, I feel like minimum a full year away and that would be very impressive, a full, a full season. So she played the whole of 2023. I could see a possibility where maybe by the US Open, she might be, feeling if she played a full full competitive schedule and was going deep in tournaments but i don't know the game's moved on a lot in the last few years hasn't it it's amazing i don't i don't see her ever playing a full competitive schedule i i don't think that's no and do you know what serena never did and not never but for the yeah. bulk of her career once she was established enough um she didn't because she understood that she didn't need to mm. to win the slams and I can I can see why Osaka would like to take that sort of journey. I think that it's a an obvious choice, really. I think for the modern player to try and um, focus on longevity when you're younger. Not what's, all players do it. What's the um, what's the contractual element of of how many tournaments you you have? Is there a contractual element of how many tournaments you have to play? No. Do you want hmm. what contractual? What with the WTA? Yeah. Oh, with no. the, with the government bodies, just do you have to play a certain no. amount of Masters tournaments, a certain amount? Do you have to? No, not at all. The, o the only thing imposed is mandatory zeros. So if you don't play Indian Wells, you get a mandatory zero. It doesn't matter what the reason is. You could be injured, you could be ill. It doesn't like you could just decide you don't want to play. It doesn't matter. So with the women, they take your best 16 events. With the men, I believe it's your best 19 events, 18 or 19 events. Um, it, in terms of point scoring... And it means that even if you have 25 point scoring events, if you miss Indian Wells, you have to take a mandatory zero. So it will knock off your 16th scoring tournament, which might be, say, 50 points, and it will replace it with a zero. This, that's the only sort of pressure players are under at all. It's just the, the mandatory events. Do you believe there should be a contractual element? No. I think it's one of the best things about tennis. And I, I find... Um, I know that tennis players are pushing for more prize money and for more, um, for better treatment, for more more clarity and stuff with how the tour works. But ultimately, it's a very unusual situation in elite sport, an elite sport where players are, and athletes are earning millions and millions and millions of dollars. 
that you can just do what you want. You can have any endorsement you want as long as it's not a betting company. That's the only rule, yeah. only stipulation. Um, I'm sure there's other stipulations. <laughs> there are other things you could be sponsored by that might. I'm sure there are other, but this is so unlikely to happen. Um, which the tennis players grumble about because tournaments are sponsored by betting companies. So why can't the players be sponsored by betting companies? A debate for another time. But ultimately, yeah, you can do what you want everywhere else. You're tied into contracts. I think possibly golf is something reasonably similar. As in, you could just sort of play one tournament, win it, and then just rock around. It's, it's fine. You don't have to do anything, I don't think. Um, but yeah, basically, that's that's it. Like There are rules. Obviously, you have to enter tournaments on time. You have to get visas. There's all these different sort of things to enable you to play. But all it is in tennis, it is a pure meritocracy. You've just got to get good enough and you've got to get to the tournaments, which is not easy. Um, and then you can be number one in the world. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so in terms of rules and how much hold and say and sway they have over players, where do you sit with everything rumbling around Camilla Georgie at the moment with talk that she had a fake certificate to say she'd had all the vaccines? It seems to be coming out in Italy at the moment. A doctor's come out saying she hasn't had it. She asked me for this certificate. It's all going on at the moment. But where do you stand on if that turns out to be true and she's not vaccinated and she had a fake certificate and she entered certain tournaments? What do you think the fallout slash punishment should be for that? Cool. It's tough, isn't it? What It's fascinating, I think, because, yeah, what can you do about it in hindsight? That's always been tennis's problem. Because the doctor accused of faking COVID-19 vaccination, I'm just reading this, said she threw the vaccine in the toilets and that Camilla Georgie asked her if it was possible to get the fake certificate. And she goes yeah, so on to say very clear doctor, from the doctor as to what well, happened. And the doctor says, I can confirm with absolute certainty that none of the vaccines to Camilla Georgie and her family were effectively injected. Yeah, so very clear, I think. Um, yeah, this is where it's very difficult uh, in tennis because of the, the structure is things in hindsight and backdating. And we have this issue with drugs bans now. This is a very different situation um, because the drugs ban is of, you know, or a, a doping offence is breaking the rules of the sport. Um, and they do backdate, they take your money off you from the time of the test um, and your points. But the impact that has on the other players, and I've talked about this many times as well, being a, a player who has lost to somebody who then tested positive at that tournament, um, nothing happens to you. You've just got beaten by somebody who's cheating. And, you know, it's not like an Olympic sport where you get bumped up to your, your medal. So you look at Georgie and... I mean, even if you were somebody who wanted the strictest punishment on her possible, um, you know, all these players that have lost to her and she wasn't at the tournament fairly, but if, I don't know. 
it's it's difficult. I don't know if they can do anything about it really at all. Because it it's not tennis saying you have to be vaccinated. It's, it's the countries, isn't it? So tennis wouldn't be able to take away points and prize money because it's more the case of, say, America, chic, and they've extended this now. You cannot get in or you'd have to go through quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. So tennis would find out... Tennis, they haven't actually said the governing bodies, you cannot play unless you're vaccinated. They're just putting on tournaments and if the country allows you in, in you go. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, Djokovic's issue. Um, yeah, I think people, a lot of people don't quite understand that it is just a government, it's a country thing, that if the US Open could possibly get him in, they absolutely would. If there was any chance of an exemption, they absolutely would try to get Novak Djokovic to play. But there <laughs> isn't. It's the government saying no and no exceptions, um, for the meantime, anyway. And so he can't play. And it's the same, with we saw it with Australia. You basically had tennis trying to get him in. I think Tennis Australia trying to get him in. And the Australian government going, no, no, we control the borders, not Tennis Australia. And it it's a different, yeah, it's a different situation. So I don't know. What what can you do? Um, yeah, I mean, you could say that potentially, I doubt this is going to happen. But as you say, she's broken the rules of entering countries. So I don't know, maybe visas become more difficult. Maybe they say you can't come back. That's I just I can't see that happening at all, but I can't really see what tennis can do about it. But I can understand why other players would be annoyed. Yeah, I mean I'm just saying she's obviously it's fine Australia, Novak Djokovic in Australia, but she's she's in qualifying first round in Adelaide against Rana Castea Camilla Georgie. So that that seems to be rumbling on as the tennis season. But nothing can happen as you say to that. Like as in Australia have changed their rules, so you don't have to be vaccinated now to go. So all this, all this would mean is we've seen that America has extended. So for Novak Djokovic, currently he would not be able to partake for a second year in Indian Wells and Miami. And maybe that would now be the case for Camilla George. But, but we don't know. It might be. But the comments are quite damning from the doctor. But that continues to rumble on. But yeah, it would be interesting to see if her colleagues. But Camilla George, she's always been a kind of, I don't know, is it too strong a word to say outlier? Um, what do you mean by outlier? Well, in terms of like the Italian Federation, there were problems there. She kind of done her own thing. She kind of a lone oh, wolf. Yeah. Lone wolf, is that better? She kind oh, of, yeah. her and her dad, they kind of, they, they march to their own beat. Yes. They kind of, they kind of do their own thing. You know, we, we had the Billie Jean King Cup finals and then she, she pulled out for reasons. She just, if, if, if an individual sport has ever suited someone, for me, it really suits Camilla Georgie. She is. Or could you imagine her on a team? Would <laughs> you imagine? Like, and not, your dad? not a team, yes, it is. not a team like Billie Jean King Cup, because that's different. But like a proper team sport, can you imagine? Because dad, dad would be close by, and he gets. I just, she's yeah, she just kind of. And look, that's fair enough, right? She is playing an individual sport. She, yeah, um, I, hate, I, I don't enjoy team sports. I wouldn't I, be quite Camilla Georgie, I think, in the sport <laughs> where everybody would be like, we can, you know, if you were rowing and she was in your boat, you'd be chucking her out. <laughs> she just, you know, she she's quite a fascinating character. You know, she speaks fluent French. We only won that when when she won the the biggest title of her career, and and she had to speak in French, and then we were like wow and so we, we get glimpses but do we any of us really know Camilla Georgie probably not and that's how she likes that's how she's going to keep it but she's always trodden her own path you know 
very, very much. So we will... Yes, but this isn't treading your own path. This is uh, lying and not... Be- if if it is, of course, it's only alleged at the moment, but this would be uh, not going in a different direction, but, but being, uh, yeah, not very good, I don't think. Have, have you ever been in a situation where you haven't been able to respond to something because you literally... Because most things, if people talk, I don't know, politics, tennis... Uh, animals, going to the dentist. Uh, you'll have a view on it, right? If someone says something, you could come back with something. Oh, I'm the most opinionated person. <laughs> okay, so is <laughs> is there anything you'd feel... Have you ever been in a situation when you literally couldn't come back with anything? Like there, you were literally like, I have nothing. Oh, yeah, but that's normally when you've been found out and that you're actually wrong. <laughs> the only thing to come back with is, oh, actually, I see what you're saying. Because I, I was... I'm going to predict week, that this is the scenario. <laughs> I, no, no, it's not. It, it's a case of I knew nothing. Um, I think I mentioned last bit, I took my youngest, he was in the finals of a under eight chess tournament. Oh, yes. And, and chess parents, chess children. Wow. I mean, that's... Uh, I want to take you to one of these tournaments. I want, I want to get, see it. I, I want to get My your view. cheerleader. I want to get your view. I mean, when you think in the under eights, we're talking five, six, seven... And eight. No, five, six, seven. Because under eight. We got there and they were like parents. Everyone's there with chessboards and all go. And and this is only his second ever tournament, right? So he's and he's kind of laid back. He's like, fine. It was on the first floor. We weren't allowed on the first floor in case we cheated. They had their own toilets in case a child came out and they spoke to a parent and they cheated. Um yeah. they, I mean honestly the Imagine rules there's been a lot of cheating. I mean the rules that they read out were quite incredible and so like no you have to leave them there they go up on their own this must so happen. you couldn't even watch oh no you know not allowed couldn't even go in the room for the first match we were like can we go in and kind of show him where it is because you know he's only seven he's never done this before and there's 79 kids in the under eight all members of clubs and everything i mean it was quite terrifying no they were like no because he cheating i was like I, he won't cheat with me i, I don't know anything about chess it was <laughs> and then in between matches <laughs> in between matches parents have got and grandparents have got chess boards out and they're playing or they're reading a chess book um my one's playing plants and zombies on the ipad because you've got to relax quite intense a lot of concentration uh, i nice. mean it was it was full of, and then but there was this we sat across on for two days and the second day we were sitting across from this Actually, this lady who had twin boys who were 10 and one of them was there. He was in the under 11s. Yes. And lovely boy, but lived and breathed chess. Now, my one was in his chess match and he was taking quite a long time. So this young boy came over to me and said, where is he? And I said, oh, he's, he's in his match. Is he not back yet? I said, no. And I said, and I said, because I know nothing about chess. I said, his dad said he's better if he wins quickly because his openings are quite good again I don't know what I'm talking about (laughs) and I said so he's been up there quite a while so I'm not sure and it actually turned out he won this match I said I'm not sure how it'll go and he had played my son at the start of the day they played three or four matches or rounds or whatever and this boy won he's 10 he's like it's genius so I said yeah you know apparently his openings are quite good and he looked at me and said I think you'll find they're not and I went strong and I went okay um and I said I believe he has a number of openings no again uh, he has one 
and it's average. And <laughs> you know, when I had nothing because I, I, I don't know about, I, I don't know about chess. I, I couldn't, and I wanted you, you know, you're a mother, you want to defend your son. And I just went, no, you, no, no, I'm right. going to jump in here and I, you're not going to like it. <laughs> so I can, I can prep you for that. But no, because the kid might be right. No, I think he, he might, is right. Well, no, I think he's right. So no, you don't need to defend him. No, but not defend him. But I hadn't, I couldn't even, but you know, when I literally had, there was nothing, I'm sure he is right. But you know, when someone says something, when you've got a 10 year old look at you going, no, I think you'll find he has one and it's average. I was like, right. And his yeah, mom was looking at him. by his standards, you know, it's not great. But it's like mom... if you are, like, it's like if I'm asked about how good tennis players are. But you if know, I'm when... going to be honest about it. I'll be like, well, but no, I couldn't even engage great. and sort of say, well, oh, which opening is it? And his mum was looking at him, going, "Yep, that's my boy." And it is. I was trying to laugh because I thought, I don't think I've ever been stuck for words or literally in a situation when I, I just went, "Okay, yeah, great, excellent, nice talking with you." <laughs> and mm. I just, I sat down again, and and wonderfully, when he came around, it was his last match, and he said, "I won," so. Um, we were like yay and I was like can we go now uh, but it was you know me I get scared in those kind of things it's just fully it's fully intense I mean it's it's oh I want to take you I want to get your view as someone who's competitive and has worked with like young players and has played professionally in a competitive individual sport which this is I want to take you to a and this was a, like a this was the London under eight finals um, and they had the under 12s under 16s and I just next time if he qualifies I'm taking you because I just I want I want I want your view on this world that was just I was like well at least wow. they do something about the cheating in tennis nothing is done it's madness you just have kids calling their own lines calling their own score no one watching it's insane parents right next to them just with a wire fence between them and their child it is absolutely horrendous what goes on with kids you know 7 years old is there any way is there any way that can be changed because it's some send the parents away it's something i've said the whole way through send the parents away because kids only cheat because of the expectations of their parents it's the only reason they do it like no kid is well maybe the odd one here or there but the level of it is just it's it's unbelievable and it's something that you have to really deal with when you're young like you have to you have to learn to suck it up and deal with it and it's tough and you can even be playing. I remember playing um, an ITF event. Uh, where did I play? Wherever it was, I don't know Denmark or wherever. So that's a junior event, one of my first junior events. And you you don't have an umpire for the first few rounds. You only get an umpire from like quarterfinals onwards or something like that. And you know you're playing against people, and they go off to the toilet and have a chat with their mum, and then come back. <laughs> it's just you know it it, that, it it's such a big part of tennis and something that you have to learn uh, to deal with very, very quickly. And a huge amount of talent leaves the sport at the age of about 12 because they just can't deal with it anymore because it's quite a toxic environment. If you think about it, you've got, um, you know, uh, parents shouting from the sideline of a football match or whatever, but you, you, know, you have a referee. I mean, yeah. imagine yeah. if you took that referee out and you said, yeah, do it yourself. It's, it's carnage. So, you know, I'm all for those sorts of rules as much as they can feel you know it can feel especially in an individual sport um you know you can feel like you know you send your kid off and it's really vulnerable especially the like one of the first big tournaments you know he's ever been in and you yeah. just yeah off you go fend for yourself and it is awful but actually 
by doing that, it does level things out a lot better. And, and I do find that kids are much more comfortable in those sorts of environments. Um, but yeah, get rid of the get rid of the parents. It's like with the coaching rule. If you really want to enforce no coaching in tennis, which clearly they don't because they're going the other way with it. Send the coaches up to the top of the thing. Send them in the back room. They can only watch on a screen, whatever. Don't put them right next to the baseline. <laughs> and they put them next to the baseline because the coaches demand to be next to the baseline so they can speak to their players. <laughs> That's literally it. And then tennis goes, well, we just can't control. We can't police these, these coaches. <laughs> yes, you can. Move them. Put them somewhere else. Ridiculous. It's, just, anyway. it's, just, it's never going to happen, though, is it? It's it's that's never, never gonna they're, they're never gonna they're going the other the way now. So they're never gonna yeah it's it, that that's going the other way. The parents are never gonna leave never gonna leave the sidelines. It's just it, yeah it is just the it's just the expectation. It's just and just say yeah it's it's pretty intense, isn't it? It's uh whew. now a couple of things. There's have you seen there's a there was a word search going around on social media. It had all the ATP player names in. I did not see that. No, and I'm gonna send it to you. Wait you wait wait it. wait. How big was this word search? You said all the ATP oh, players. Okay, let's. <laughs> this is like the biggest word search you've ever seen. Actually, I think it had quite a lot of them in because a word search you can funnel Are you talking things around. 10, 30, 50 no. names? No, I'm, I'm going to say because a word search you can go backwards, forwards, diagonally, upside down. One can link into another. I mean, you can get yeah. a lot. It was pretty big. And it was basically, well, it must have been made the top 50 or something, but it was the first name you find is basically your pick to win the Australian Open or that person, you know. Oh, oh, I want to do this then. I'm going to find the send it to you. And the funny thing was, and and I saw it, someone had done it on social, social media and I think they'd found Fritz. And so they said, oh, I found Fritz. And so I was looking at it thinking, look for D, look for the letter D. <laughs> That's all uh-huh. I was. And, and you have to be true. You have to be the first name. So I was trying to find the letter D, D. Jema. Guess who I found? Massetti. 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 Didn't even, didn't even That's not a D. It. I didn't even find a D. I couldn't find a D. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you have to be true. Like, I could have pretended I hadn't seen Massetti. And I was trying to find Sitsipas. I was trying to find anything, like, the top. And Don't try and find Sitsipas. Well, it just it got more of, probably more of a chance than Massetti. I apologise, Massetti. But I was thinking, just give me someone who maybe there is possibly slightly. And, and, and Massetti, it literally leapt out of me as if there were sort of, like, lights all around i could not stop seeing the name massetti so i'm going to send Mm. it to you and next week and you've you've got to be true i'll try and put it on our twitter feed you've got to be honest because i could have lied and i could have kept going okay shall we commit to that as our pick (laughs) well can i do it again (laughs) because no we'll we'll see how mine goes and then we can decide well no because if i get somebody sort of similar level to massetti we can have a competition and see who goes the furthest they can be be our we can call that our dark horses how about that our outside bed you know so okay i'm gonna fight and i'll put it on our social media feed and and again people have to be really true to i'd love to have got rublev just, I mean, together with what a fabulous person he is, he's now got his own clothing. I think Donna Vekic as well. Both of them have the... Yes, have you seen this thing about Nike ditching everybody? Well, not ditching what? everybody, but making it not viable for them to be with Nike. Is that because they've put so much money in elsewhere and there's there's not as much left in the tennis coffers to go around? I wouldn't know about Nike's financial affairs, but I'm sure it, it runs into billions. So, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems from what I read that they changed it so that you only earn money if you do 
well. You're not just given a flat fee, which you will get with smaller companies. They'll give you a a fee to to wear their kit and then you also yep. get bonuses on top. And Nike have just gone to a strict bonus thing, um, which happens if you're sort of lower ranked, you like, as in outside 100, for example, you're probably on that sort of contract where it's just a bonus thing. Um, but people rightly pointing out that, uh, it, and I think Nike said, oh, well, players outside the top 20 don't make as much money. And uh, people rightly pointing out that Andre Rublev is ranked eight in the world. Do they know how many titles he's won in the last exactly. couple of seasons? This guy lifts trophies as if like he's in the gym lifting weights. It's ridiculous. <sighs> and and he and he's talks about saving children, oceans, planets. It's, he's wow. I think any company, it's musical as well. He's, I mean, why would you not want someone like Andre Rublev as part of your brand? Yeah, and then there was the the comments that uh, Osaka is obviously still with Nike and uh, is still going to get her <laughs> her payouts, uh, as is Emma Raducanu. Now, two things there. Firstly, they are absolute superstars of the yeah. sport, regardless yeah, yeah. of whether they're. E- yeah. I was I mean, I was going to say whether they're winning like Raducanu, but whether they're even playing like Naomi Osaka. Yeah, um, and you know they are. I'm sorry, but they just have, they're going to have a different, Nike are never going to get rid of them, <laughs> ever. Uh, the third thing is, is that because of their super, the third thing, second thing, oh, I've lost track, because of their superstardom, <laughs> because, yes. because of their superstardom, they had all of the leverage when negotiating contract. They're not on a bog standard contract, which even somebody like Andre Rublev would be on a standard contract as a top 10 player. Okay, Nike have now changed the standard contracts and, you know, parted ways with Rublev. But for an Osaka or Raducanu, they would have been dictating terms. I don't know how many years they've signed the deals for, how many millions, what the clauses are, but they will not be on your standard contract like a Vekic, like a... Um, like a Rublev, for example. So even if um, uh, Nike were ruthless and saying, yeah, 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 no, anyone outside the top 20, like you're just not going to get any money, it's not them. <laughs> they don't count. That's incredible, isn't it? But anyone can see the, the Rublev clothing line. It is it is out there and Donna Vekic has been modelling it. And maybe that's going to be the way, a model for more players to go out there and, and you know, it's it's a way of... Of, of selling their brand and, and putting it out there and, and people talking recently about, you know, you've seen names on racket covers and T-shirts and this, and it's, you know, it's another way of, of monetizing. We talk about players again. They are freelancers, as are we. They are. As are we. Yes. Uh, we don't they have our are. own clothing line. Um, we are. So I'm I guess gonna... more people are going to go go down the Camilla Georgie route of just wearing their own thing because I think uh, her mum made a lot of her clothes for a, a long time. I love my mum. She doesn't have a. Ra- is... I don't think she has a range that she sells though, does she? Yeah, she does. This whole website. Oh, she does. Because oh, I mean, wow. the, well, her but clothes. It's they... not really my style, so <laughs> I <laughs> not gone through. It's kind of. It's clothing that you wouldn't necessarily... It's sort of clothing that you can wear from the tennis court into the nightclub. Yes, because I'm sure there's such a demand <laughs> for that. No, but do you know what I mean? Who it's kind of a it's shower? Kind of, when you look at the website, you wouldn't necessarily think it anyway. <laughs> but you wouldn't necessarily look at the thing and think, oh, that's tennis gear. That's more like going out, daytime, evening wear. But then she wears it on the tennis court. So, And you know, as much as I love my mum... She's she's never made any clothes and that's not going to start now. So that's, yeah, I think we'll just leave that to Camilla Joy. It is a specific style, but everyone has their own style. Okay. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to... 
Okay. Now I know you. I know you have to go. I do. So, and I've and I could now. I'm getting feeling back in my mouth. I'm going to stop now. Go and eat go something. Have some lunch. But we um, next time we get together, it's going to be our Australian Open bumper pre- probably around this time next week. So Friday next week, once the draws out, and it's all settled. We w- I'll send you that word search in the meantime. Oh yeah, and uh, we'll do some serious analyzing and predicting of the draw. Perfect. Can't Wonderful. wait. Do you think we'll get anything I look right forward this to time? It. Probably not. <laughs> no. Well, I've got Massetti to win the Australian Open. Maybe, so that's maybe not the word search is how to do it. Because obviously our okay. knowledge and expertise right. is getting us nowhere. <laughs> you know what? There is a word search coming your way. <laughs> Bye. Bye.